Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another podcast from the Complete Sports Media team. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. We have another exciting hour for you. We can't wait. We're going to break it down today. UFC Las Vegas 4. June 27th in Las Vegas. Four cards in a row there. And we're going to be able to talk about the fight of the year. It was Dustin the Diamond Poirier against Dan the Hangman Hooker. Poirier from Lafayette, Louisiana, and Dan Hooker from New Zealand. And uh, wow, was it ever impressive? Was it amazing? Uh, just phenomenal fight. Just uh, They just absolutely put their whole will on the line, and uh, it turned into one of the best fights I've ever seen. So can't wait to break it down. We've got Jason Cameron joining us today. and. Uh, Gonna be able to introduce him right away. There he is. Hey, Jason, how are you? Very good. How are you doing there, sir? Oh man, I can't be better. Uh, what a beautiful day it is, and uh, yeah, I got coming off a great weekend. Uh, yeah, I can't complain. Life, life couldn't be better. Yeah, I know, man. It's uh, and it looks like this week's gonna be a beautiful week. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Spending some time outside. Are you on the river there? I'm actually, yes. Yes, nice. as you can see the background there, I'm right beside the Fraser River. It's it's beautiful out here. I usually come out here to this park. It's in my neighborhood. It's it's just nice, real nice. And then a lot of people are actually having picnics. Oh. It's kind of nice to see people having picnics now. It's I do like cool. that. Yeah, yeah. It's finally, we're starting to get a new normal. <laughs> people are yes. getting back together. Yeah. Nice to see. It's great yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks so much. This is going to be great. Uh, I'm wearing a UFC shirt because I want to break down this past weekend's card. Uh, that that fight was one of my favorite fights I've ever seen. The definitely fight of the year, and it's going to go down in history as one of the best ever. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Well, you know what? I, I was just I was impressed with the whole UFC event from top to bottom. Fights were fantastic. Uh, it might possibly be, in my humble opinion, it might have been the best UFC so far uh, since uh, this whole pandemic business. It it was great. And then just the icing on the cake was the main event. Incredible. Incre it was an incredible battle. Blood and guts. It had everything you'd ever want to see in a main event. You had two guys that were up echelon fighters in the top five. And they got after it. They went after each other and because they both were the hungry for the win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Holy cow, were they ever hungry? I, I haven't seen, you know, a battle like that for a really long time. And uh, you know, Dan Hooker, um, you know, I didn't really think he was gonna win the fight. I thought Poirier had too much experience and some really amazing battles over the years, and I, I just really felt like Hooker was in a little bit over his head, but uh, he he pretty much dominated those first two rounds, and he almost actually had uh, had Poirier out at the end of that second round. Yeah, yeah, man. Like it was. Hooker is exceptionally tough. He is exceptionally tough, and he's very very skilled. But the one thing with the diamond is you can't you can't count that man out. He's he's coming after you. Like yeah. even with any adversity that that guy ever faces, because let's 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 remember in the first round, 
he took a ton of calf kicks to the leg. Yeah. Like he was taking away his base. And I thought, man, I, I don't know how you check calf kicks, but maybe somebody should develop a way to do that because that that's, that's damaging. Yeah. But Poirier is extra tough himself. He took that damage and was able to still fight through that and then come up big in the third and fourth rounds. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, just you say the diamond and, you know, I think that's called the hardest surface on earth, the hardest, hardest <laughs> material on earth. And, uh, and now I actually know why he's called the diamond. Holy cow. Like that was yeah. amazing. What a, what a comeback. What a performance. Just, you know, the heart of a champion. Wow. I was so impressed with his will to win. Well, and also too, like just throughout the entire fight, you know, a lot about fighting is momentum, you know, the give and take. And so once one guy thought, you know what, this guy's hitting me a little too much. I better crack him back. And it was that back and forth, but it was constant. It was all the time. Yeah. And what they were hitting each other with, it's, it's just nothing less than the kitchen sink. They were hitting each other with some of the hardest blows you could ever imagine. Lesser men would have been knocked out quickly and soon. But not those two guys. No, no, no. Not those two guys whatsoever. It yeah. was an amazing fight to watch. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I loved it. I just couldn't believe it. I was jumping out of my seat. I was just like, holy cow, they're just bringing it. And they, they had to get right into the pocket and just fire and, and just keep, you know, taking shots to give shots. And none of them were, you know, they just didn't have any backward steps. They were just full on both, both of them. And, you know, I got, I'm so impressed with Hooker. I've all, I thought he was an amazing up-and-comer and, you know, had a really a lot of really good fights. But, you know, my, my level of respect for him has even grown after this fight, even though it was a loss. Wow, did he, he, he showed himself really well. I know it's, it's, it's probably devastating for him to have lost that fight, but he should not – he should be proud of his performance because yeah. that was one heck of a performance because at the end of the day, it came down to that fifth round. Whoever yeah. wins that fifth round, wins the fight. And it was just the accumulation of damage that Dustin Poirier wore it better. And I think that was the difference. Yeah. Period. That was just, that was the difference. Yeah. No, it was so great. Uh, I've been buzzing about it. I, I can't wait to talk to so many people about it. And I, I hope if you haven't seen it, uh, viewers, please uh, dial it in. It's one of the best fights ever put to put together and through the UFC and, and uh, yeah, we we loved it. I couldn't uh, I couldn't have asked for more. Uh, got my money's worth there and more. And, and yeah, I I, uh, I can't wait for you know seeing those guys again. And and Poirier's you know really garnering for another shot. Obviously, he lost to Khabib, but um, you know we'll see what shakes down with Khabib in the next little while. And maybe uh, Poirier has another shot at the at the title if Khabib still has it or somebody else. So yeah, no, it's. Uh... I'm very interested to see where things go from here for sure. But I am like yourself. If you haven't seen that fight, you, you've got to, you've got to see that. And so it's, it's one of those fights where after you see it, it's like, man, I'm, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm, I'm going to do some MMA now. That That's what that did to me. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're right. Yeah. 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 I bet you a lot of gyms suddenly started getting calls yesterday and today. Uh, I, I want, I want to do this. This is too fun. 
<laughs> yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Because yeah. I, I know, I know. After that, it was. It's kind. It's kind of like for me, like seeing a good kung fu flick. When I nice. see a good kung fu flick, and then you get that adrenaline dump, and you go, "Yeah, that was great. It was great." <laughs> and I, it was just such a good fight. It was such a good fight. Yeah. Like, cause I, I just appreciate seeing two guys just leave it all out there. They yeah. leave it all on the line and let it all hang out. You know, they, they, they just left a part of themselves in the ring. Like, that fight actually, to a certain extent, without so much blood and gore as the Robbie Lawler-Rory McDonald fight. Sure. That's yeah. what that, yeah. that fight kind of reminded me of that. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I remember that fight. Um, yeah, that was impressive. I was there, and uh, wow. You know, um, yeah, Rob, Robbie just had an extra gear. I actually saw an interview with with um, Rory the other day, and he talked about that. I guess that he went down to Coconut Creek, Florida, and was uh, meeting some of the guys in that team, and all of a sudden Robbie walked in, unbeknownst to him, and uh, they had a chat, and they, they didn't talk about the fight, but he, yeah. he remarked that um, Lawler just, uh, looked at him after one of the rounds and just went, yeah, I love this. And, and he goes, uh-oh, I think he's got more more than me, uh-oh, because he said I was in trouble. And he just was like, I love this. And, you know, that was uh, an amazing, amazing battle. So Yeah, that was an amazing battle. Very, very good. And then also, too, it's this, it's a scary thing that if you can go through, like, a war of that magnitude, and just be like, like Pori in, in, in his corner and say, oh, yeah, I'm loving this, coach. This is great. Because, like, if you hear that, then you're like, what do you mean you love this? You're not – aren't you – don't you hurt everywhere? Is, is, is not your whole body screaming for you. It's like, oh, man, how much more time do I got? Do I got five more minutes still? Please, please. But you know what? They're cut from a different cloth than everybody else. Yeah. They really are. The yeah. warriors to their core, and this is what they love to do. And it's yeah. just great to see people do what they love to do. Yeah, exactly. And that's why they're at the top of their sport and, you know, just being able to, you know, impress everybody and, you know, be the pros they are. Um, you know, he, yeah, he said, I'm having a blast. I'm having an absolute <laughs> blast. And, and I know that 99.9% .9 of the people wouldn't be having a blast being in that big of a war in, in fist fight in a cage like that. It was, it was so fun. It was just, you know, it was great that he was having a blast because he was giving me a blast too. Yes, exactly. He, how about this? He, he gave, they both those men gave the viewers exactly what they needed, what they wanted. And even if they didn't know what they want, they got it. Yeah. They got it. It was awesome. It was awesome. Sure was. Yeah. Well, it's hard to break down a lot of other fights on, on the card, but we should, uh, <laughs> you know, that one it, it topped the cake, but uh co-main event had, Mike Platinum Perry against Mickey Gall and um, Platinum uh, really showed his strengths and, you know, is able to really dominate. I thought and, and uh, pretty, pretty much the whole entire fight uh, minus a corner. He had his girlfriend with him, which was kind of bizarre and weird. And he is a little strange, but uh, yeah, pretty good performance by him. I, I, I was impressed because, well, first off, the man didn't have a corner. I, I've never seen that before. He did no. that. Like, like, I know he's a different dude, but, is that different now? Like, no more corners for you? All right, man. But, hey, I guess he didn't need it. He was good. And he he literally dominated every aspect of that fight. And when I thought Mickey Gall probably had an advantage on the ground, he didn't. No. Like, like I would say that it was Perry's extreme strength 
that really won him the day. And then also, too, he was a better stand-up fighter, obviously. But Mickey Gall's stand-up has improved by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Sure. Very much so. Yeah. Like, his counters were crisp, effective, and accurate. And they had some steam on him, but just not enough for that guy, unfortunately. No. Wow, I couldn't believe the, the shape Perry was in. And, yeah, just uh, the strength. Wow. Like, he just really manhandled the guy. And, and Mickey Gall actually, you know, looks like a bigger person. Uh, you know, if he was more ripped and more cut and, you know, had the muscle tone that Perry had on him, he'd, he'd be a much bigger person. But, but Perry just dominated strength-wise. And, you know, to, to, to actually dominate on the ground, too, when the fight went to the ground, it, was, it blew me away. I, I thought Gall would have the advantage big time on the ground. But Perry showed he's just a super well-rounded fighter. He just likes standing and banging. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like we forget that actually Perry has the technical skill set. Yeah. Like he does. He really yeah. does. And once he does incorporate it, then reminded, oh, no, no, he can be technical when he wants. He just prefers to brawl most of the time, right? Yeah. But this time, though, he was, he, he was very measured in his approach, I thought. And it was a, just a very good fight. And then when Mickey, I think he stuffed every takedown that Mickey tried. Because at the end of the day, when I, I look back at that fight, like even his takedown attempts, they just didn't have enough mustard on him to take that guy down. Not no. even close. No. Not even close. So, yeah. very good win by Perry. Great yeah. win by Perry. I think a lot of teams will be hesitant to bring Perry into the mix because nobody likes to train a guy and not, uh, you know, get get paid by going and you know being in his corner. So he might have a hard time getting a, a team to take him on. Uh, you know, that was a really unorthodox move on his part. Uh, he was, you know, making some complaints after the fight that the IRS is uh, taxing him too much, and you know, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty strange guy who just uh, flies off the handle and says a lot of weird things and. Like you say, I've never seen a guy ever not have a corner man in, in there. His girlfriend was just icing his back of his neck and his head, and and you know he had a cut man, and that was it. Wow, it was a it was a pretty ballsy move to not uh, have a corner and uh, not being able to try to you know have guys you know seeing what you're not seeing, and you know he just like you said he was measured. He uh, you know he kept cutting off the cage and and you know hitting a goal when he could. Stuff in the takedowns, and I, I just I was blown away by his performance. Just blown away. Yeah, no, it's his performance was spectacular. Like it was like an A plus, yeah. you know. And especially, as you said, especially with the fact that he didn't have a corner. Like he just he didn't have nobody. He didn't have anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, so. and 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 it was it was super weird though, just having his girlfriend there just ice him up. It's like all right, it's great. <laughs> You know, it's all oh, maybe, maybe to a certain extent, maybe that's actually what that kind of guy needs, which is he just needs a calmness of his mind. He does understand the sport. He's a veteran. He's been fighting for a long time. And I think with Mickey Gall, at least, he understood what he needed to do. Yeah. All right. Now, for a higher level fighter, he might need a corner, you know. Yeah. But I guess we'll see what he does for his next fight. Maybe he goes without a corner again. I don't know. Sure, be interesting. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah there was a uh, heavyweight fight uh, just be before that on the card. John Volante moving up from light heavyweight to try the heavyweight division. Uh, new, you know, New York guy, and uh, you know, from a really good camp. Uh, I've been impressed with a lot of John Volante's fights. He's a really, really, really talented fighter, and uh, decided, uh, you know, he didn't want to cut weight anymore and stay in that heavyweight class um Maurice Green was coming off a couple losses 
uh, super talented dude, but uh, two losses really um, needed to get a win. And uh, after he threw a Superman punch and it didn't connect and Volante took him down, had him down, grounded and pounding him. Uh, I thought, you know, wow, it could they, they almost stopped the fight. And then all yep. of a sudden, all of a sudden he's tapping. Uh, that was a crazy submission. It was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty shocking and pretty quick. Yeah. I, I, I still don't know what that submission was. Like, you know, like, like I, I tried to figure it out. I tried to see the angle of where the application of the choke was. Um, sure. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I still, I still, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the choke, but I maybe, maybe that's my ignorance talking. I thought I knew a lot about the game, but that was just a choke I've never seen before in my life. Yeah. Right. So, but, Great win by Green. Great win by Green. But I will say this about John Volante. Uh, man's been fighting for a long time. Yeah, he didn't want to cut the weight. But I think he could have been in better shape for that fight. You know what I mean? Like, sure. uh, if you want to fight heavyweight, I think maybe it's going to take him some time to convert his body. But I think the man could do with a little bit more musculature on that frame as opposed to the doughiness. Yeah. Because... You could see throughout the fight that he was trying to conserve his energy throughout the entirety of the fight, where Green was clearly the more active fighter throughout the course of the fight. But the thing that I was shocked at, since Green's always been a heavyweight and John Volante's coming up, is Volante's power was insane. Yeah. He, he had real power hitting that guy. And, oh, he, yeah. and whenever Green got hit with a leg kick, um, he felt all of those big time. So yeah, you're right, I, yeah. Yeah. So I can understand why, but Green's approach was great. You know, kept like popping the jab, keeping him at distance. It was, it was a very, very good um, fight uh, plan for him to go forward, right? And then try to stay away from Volante's power because clearly he knew that Volante had a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Volante definitely had a lot, a lot of pounds around the middle. Didn't look good. Uh, you know, he, he, he could definitely shaping up tone up uh yeah i don't know he just seemed like he just ate and just decided not to do too, too much cardio and uh just put on the extra weight he is a super strong guy and his his leg kicks are, are brutal uh you yes. could really you could really hear the connections uh with his fists as well and yeah he's a he's a tough guy um you know it's it's definitely hard to change a weight division and fight a guy that you know so much bigger than anybody you've ever fought um yeah. you know uh, I, I'm glad he did it. You know, we'll we'll see if he you know puts in the time and commitment it's necessary to, you know, get himself in better shape. And then you know maybe the sky's the limit to, for him. And, you know, being able to fight a lot tougher competition. But you're right. You know, yeah, I noticed it right away as soon as he stepped into the cage. He wasn't in, in as good a shape as he should have been. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Green Green sure um, was emotional. Did you see his uh, post fight interview? Did you see how emotional he was after? Well, yeah, you know, like I was, I was watching it and I understand the emotion that a fighter will have, especially with the, the fact of what he's doing for his family, he's moving the family and all that sort of stuff. And he needed the money for this move, obviously, clearly, right? Yeah. He was depending a lot on that. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I, John Atnick has a very hard job, you know, especially when fighter's emotional and you're trying to get some information out of him and the guy can't talk. <laughs> yeah. So so, yeah, and, and I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And he did manage to, you know, manage to 
gather himself a little bit to answer some of the later questions. But the beginning there was just, you know, he didn't say much. Yeah. Right. Well, but, don't don't you I, make my don't you make my job hard today by uh, losing it? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I don't think we're gonna have that problem. Today. No, okay, no, good, think, yeah. But yeah, no, he was. Uh, I couldn't believe. I haven't seen a fighter that emotional in a really long time. And um, you know, it was. Um, it was. He was hard. He definitely had a hard time keeping it together. And yes. Um, but uh, he he was called out from a. A competitor earlier in the fight and he accepted the challenge um they're talking maybe abu dhabi which is uh, very soon i don't know if they can pull it off but uh um did you were you impressed with our, our canadian boy that had the big knockouts uh, the bulldozer stozer uh, he calls out green uh, right after his fight well first off i wanted to say that his movement was excellent wow. oh man the, the man was twinkle toes he had a little ali shuffle to him man like it was he was impressive yeah. and his body like the, the shape that he came in was excellent yeah. the man was in shape um he looked great and like and the combinations that he was throwing like if you got two guys like that if they are able to make that fight happen because let's be honest here if green needs that money he's gonna make the fight he probably phoned sean shelby immediately said yeah make that go make, make that the thing let's do that right now all right but um like his movement was excellent. That was the thing that I was most impressed with Bozer in that fight was his movement, the crispness of his strikes, the accuracy of his strikes. He just, he looked fantastic. He really Yeah, did. definitely. I, I, I was blown away. Super impressed. I've uh, seen him fight before. He usually goes to decision, grinds out wins. Um, this fight, he said he dropped 10 pounds. Uh, he wanted to be quicker. He wanted to be uh, more toned and be able to, uh, you know, uh, beat the guy to the punch and i couldn't believe how accurate his punches were uh once he hit that uh shot off the, the the temple and stiffened him up he just you know he just threw punches and every single one of them landed and took him out it was uh it was a really brutal amazing performance i, I was like wow holy cow where's this guy been yeah i know man and i i do want to make one comment though like throughout like throughout the uh the broadcast in that particular fight i think bisping mentioned him and said the man looks like a light heavyweight and i'm like that's the biggest light heavyweight i've ever seen in my life i didn't know what he was talking about i'm like you know light heavyweights aren't built like that right (laughs) he eventually did take it back because i i don't i don't think he realized just how heavy he was he just wore the weight very very well he's 250 pounds that's not a light heavyweight man no that's (laughs) true yeah, it's 45 pounds more than that limit. Yeah, it's going to be uh, difficult for him to make light heavyweight. He was toned. Uh, you know, just like you mentioned, Volante didn't come in that shape, but this guy yes. did. And, you know, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, he you know, he could be in for some bigger paydays and getting some, you know, high-quality opponents. I loved it that he called him out. He, he had a personality yeah. that that interview with Anik was just night and day compared to Green. So and oh, maybe, yeah. Anik, yeah. maybe Anik's hoping that Bull, Bulldozer wins that fight between them. So... He has yeah. an easier job. Yeah, he has an easier job for sure. And 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 going back to John Volante, I'll say, if Volante is able to kind of transform his body into something approaching what Bozer has as a body, that guy's going to be a real problem. But yeah. that will take commitment on his part to do the physical changes that he needs. I don't know if he wants to do that. The man looks like he likes his pizza a lot. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah so um yeah let's break down a few more of the uh fights on the card uh what did you think about the quick tk uh, quick knockout by takashi soto over jason vanilla the gorilla wit uh that was a boom immediate knockout well they they were mentioning that and i do know that takashi soto's great stand-up fighter and he's got power yeah. and then he demonstrated it in those two punches that ended the fight so yeah <laughs> it was a fantastic win on his part. Uh, super impressive knockout victory, and it it was fast, man. Yeah. That was quick. That was that was a that was a quick win, and uh, maybe a quick turnaround for Takashi too. Didn't get hurt, got paid. Maybe he tries to jump on something very very quickly soon. So yeah, we'll see what the turnaround is for him. But great, great, great win. Solid victory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Um, Henry Hoof looked. Pretty damn impressed uh, behind him that he's in that camp. And, uh, yeah, oh, wow. It was just uh, immediate. Um, Witt, uh, he, he, only had, he only got notified of the fight on Thursday. The USC signed him on Thursday. He flew out the next day for his weigh-in, and he was in the cage. So I think it was less than 48 hours he had to fight. And uh, so, you know, wow. Uh, you know, USC usually – um, gives you some credit for coming in on such short notice. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't take the loss too hard. Well, yeah, man. Like, usually when it's a thing like that, I believe either way the UFC gives you a contract, right? So you know going in that you are at a complete disadvantage in the fight, complete disadvantage. And so what you're working towards is that fight is kind of like whatever happens, happens. But it's the next couple of fights in the contract that you now do have with the UFC. That's what you focus on. And that's what we will have to focus on. Yeah. Because, you know what, when, when you don't, when you have, as you said, 48 hours to prepare for an opponent, you don't actually have time. You don't have any time no. whatsoever. So no. you just hope for the best. Because not, not everybody can be like uh, our, our, our boy there from the last UFC and just go in like a hurricane and just knock the guy out. Oh yeah, Justin James. Yeah, Justin James. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just jumped in the cage and wanted to tear tear the guy apart and did. So yeah. it was. Yeah, it was different, but but yeah, impressive by Soto. Uh, well, uh, Sato, we're we're gonna see him uh, really soon, I think. Yeah, no damage, and so you know they can uh, roll roll him out real quick. Uh, I'm gonna go to the uh, next fight on the card. Uh, it was Julian Arosa, 24 and 8, coming into the, the fight against Sean Woodson, undefeated fighter, only 7 and 0, but he was 46 and 3 in his boxing career. Um, yeah, he, he looked really impressive uh, for the first couple of rounds. I thought Woodson had the better of Arosa, and Arosa uh, ended up uh, getting submission uh, halfway through the um, third round. Um, yeah, pretty impressive fight. I, I, was, I, was, I liked it a lot. It was enjoyable. It was very enjoyable, like, because, like, you had. You had one guy that knew for me to win this fight, I'm just going to have to eat this guy's punches because the guy's stand-up and his boxing especially is more than exceptional. But at the same time, Woodston punches in bunches, but not with a lot of power. Right. And so Rosa knew that he could take the damage. He could take the, he could take the punishment. I think what Woodson um, unfortunately fell into, I think he got frustrated. What, what he should have done was just stick with the game plan, not get frustrated and just do the fight. I think he got frustrated, which left him open for Rosa to take advantage of that frustration. 
Because Arosa knew it's like, I'm, I'm a super tough dude. And I believe he came in with not a lot of time either. No, it was quick. Yeah. It, it was they, a quick turnaround. Yeah. But they, they had but, to make it at catch weight because they couldn't make weight. Yeah. It was too fast. Yeah. So. It was too fast. And, yeah. but clearly Arosa was in great shape. It was in mm -hmm. great shape for that fight. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, it was a fantastic win on his part. Um, a submission win. And I believe it was, that's Arosa coming back into the UFC yet again. Right. Mm -hmm. Third time. Yeah. yeah. So, that's yeah, his third so, opportunity. Yeah. Third opportunity. So hopefully third time's the charm for him, you know, yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll see how, see how he, how he does, how he goes forward. But it was, uh, it was a great win for him on his third time through the UFC and hopefully he can make something of it. Yeah. Sure. Hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, I loved a lot of his, um, comments after to Anik. He, he said that, um, Woodson reminded me of Diaz and he didn't have, you know, a ton of pop on his punches. He was just, you know, he was just giving a lot of, a lot of shots, but they weren't, you know, damaging him to the point of, of him worrying about being taken out. So he thought, you know, I'm going to get an opportunity. This kid's probably going to make a mistake and I'll be able to uh, get him, get a submission or something. And uh, that Darce joke was pretty impressive. Uh, he was just definitely able to, you know, basically put him up into a pretzel and there was nothing what to do. <laughs> so I, I yeah. was like, wow, holy cow. He's, he's learned a lot since he's, you know, been in and out of the USC three times. Uh, yeah, I think he, this could be the time for him finally. Yeah, yeah, man. And also, too, like that's an incredible amount of dedication and will to come back and forth through. His UFC career. Yeah, yeah. You cut out there for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, hopefully that was just a one-time glitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I was just saying, like, hopefully he can make something of it for his UFC career this time around. Third time's the charm. So. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love that dedication. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tough game, uh, you know, and, you know, it's got to be just blow, a blow to your ego when you get cut. Uh, you know, it's just got to be so difficult. You know, you've, you spent your whole life trying to make it here, and then, you know, you have a setback, and, you know, you make it again and have another setback for, you know, three times wow like uh you know that's that's something that we, we hopefully talk about for a long long time as a guy just you know his will to win we talked about Poirier having that will to win off the you know main event but you know yeah. to actually get caught twice and still just keep at it and keep at your game and being able to get that third opportunity and have a big win uh wow I, I'm super impressed with that kid yeah me too very impressed very imp impressed with the the man's determination for sure yeah. The other fight um, that was uh, pretty Im pretty impressive was uh, Luis uh, Violent Bob Ross Pena against Kama Worthy. Um, wow, uh, yeah, very uh, impressive with the Death Star. He just, uh, whew, holy cow, is that guy tough? He's so strong, unbelievable. Yeah, man, that that he's 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 a physical specimen. That, yeah. That's what I, that's what I'd say about him because. Luis Pena is a great fighter, and, and but that guy, special, athletically, yeah. very, 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 very gifted, very gifted. Yeah, and I, I kind of felt so, sorry for Worthy a little bit um, because he was preparing for Michael Johnson, and all of a sudden Michael Johnson uh, was out of the fight uh, last minute. Pena had to step in and, uh, you know, completely different type of fighter. Um, but Worthy just didn't seem to, you know, uh, take a step backwards. He just 
you know, was determined. And uh, wow, I was, uh, yeah, whoa, what a physical specimen. And holy cow, um, yeah, I think he's going to get some really great competition coming up soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Like that, that guy is, I, I foresee him at, at, at some point in time cracking the top 10. Like, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what I saw in that fight. Like, you know, like his counterattacks and everything was on point. Like he, yeah, he looked, he looked great. Yeah. He, looked fat. he looked really good. Really, really good. And really, really, really strong. Yeah. Really strong. <laughs> he, uh, he talked up his team uh, from Pittsburgh there. Uh, Pittsburgh's a tough town. I've uh, spent lots of time there. It's a steel town. It's a blue collar town. Uh, you know, I can imagine some amazing, amazing fighters there. He really talked up that team and hopefully uh, some of these guys get a chance. He, he was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm getting these guys in the UFC, so that, that'd be great. <laughs> he said he's worked out a lot with Cody Garbrandt. I don't uh, know that uh, connection yet. I'm going to find that out this week. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, there's a you know, interesting story there, I think. So, um, yeah, let's, oh, yeah. Let's, let's see his, his rise, and I can't wait to see him in the cage again. Yeah, and, and also, too, now I'm, I'm super curious about some of the other guys on his fight team and hopefully if they can crack the UFC roster and see what these boys got. Yeah, you know, like there, there might be like a super camp in the making. Yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, earlier in the night, the uh, second fight of the night was um, the debut of Kay Hansen, and uh, she fought Jin Yu Frey. Um, Kay looked uh, really great for the youngest female on the roster, twenty years old, getting her opportunity. Uh, Jin Yu Frey was uh, Invicta champion. They were both in Invicta before they made the UFC. And, uh, yeah, Kay um, said her uh, hero and the reason why she got into the sport was Ronda Rousey, and she did her proud with an armbar and uh, got, got praise from Ronda after the fight. Uh, it was great to see that young girl. She looked really composed and, and, and did, did a great job. Yeah, she wasn't uh, – the moment didn't overcome her, that's for sure. You know, like she, she, she stuck to her game plan. She fought well. And, yeah, her, her armbar turned out to be a classic Rousey armbar <laughs> you know like something that we haven't seen for actually quite some time we haven't seen that for a while so no. great submission win by our our newest youngster in the women's division for that uh, weight division for sure yeah yeah it was impressive yeah great uh yeah it was a good signing by the usc they usually don't sign people until they're 23 24 25 even later and uh yeah, yeah. They, they they saw something in her I heard that uh, she runs a couple gyms in California for uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, Eddie Bravo's um, teams. And, uh, you know, she's uh, uh, wow. yeah, definitely up and comer. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was blown away. 20 years old, she looks, she looks a lot older than, than she actually really is. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. And especially if you got a man of Eddie Bravo's caliber allowing her to run gyms and she's only 20? Oh, man. Okay, well that that's gonna be. I'm 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 quite looking forward to what else she's got yeah. for her future in this career because that because uh, you know Eddie Bravo he's got he's got a weird style, and it, but it, it is it is awesome to see because yeah. it's highly aggressive like submission wrestling pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, the the first fight of the night, uh, two guys with some of the best nicknames I've heard: uh, Jordan Native Psycho Griffin. Against Yusef, the Moroccan Devils Alal. Uh, <laughs> anything come to mind uh, from watching that battle? Well, you know what? Um, I, what what comes to mind immediately for me is that uh, Zalal, uh, I thought, 
had the better constitution, the better stamina, the better endurance. And also, too, since he was able to start stuffing uh, Griffin's takedowns, I think, from the second round on to the third. And then, you know, usually for a wrestler, if you stuff their takedowns, that really saps their strength. And then you really began to see it in the later rounds for Griffin. Started fade. And Zalal capitalized on that because, anyways, he was a better stand-up striker in the first place. That's why Griffin always wanted to take it to the ground, take it to his wheelhouse. And then once he wasn't able to do that on a consistent basis anymore, Zalal had the fight. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. 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 It would break down. down. It was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, fully. Well, uh, wow, that was uh, fantastic to break that down. That UFC card was really great. A couple of fights that got uh, knocked off the card, but there was 10 amazing fights and uh, 10, 10 amazing fights. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, to, to have that main event to cap it all off. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fight card I'm not going to forget for a real long time. And, and yeah. uh, I, can't, I can't wait to see both Poirier and Hooker. Hopefully they're not out with injuries too long. I, I saw Poirier limping out of the cage and they both yeah. had to go to the hospital. I saw pictures of them both in the hospital. So <laughs> yeah. You know what? When you have a when you have a battle like that, it would be wrong if you didn't end up in the hospital. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like you, yeah. you 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 appreciate that warrior spirit that both those men showed in that fight, in that battle. It was just it was a thing of beauty. Yeah. It was a violent thing of beauty, but it was still a thing of beauty nonetheless. Sure nice. was, yeah. No, uh, you know, true mixed martial arts uh, followers and purists and people like you and me, uh, wow, it was, you know, just an example of how great this can be. And, and just, you know, that was, you know, a, a, one of the best examples of, you know, guys that are just so skilled and they just have no, no die attitude. And uh, wow, uh, you know, that... That 25 minutes was 25 of the best minutes I've, I've ever spent in my life. So, you know, thank you so much, guys. Like, you put your life on the line for guys like us, and, you know, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough. No, it's always appreciated, man. It's always appreciated when you see people give their best. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's just appreciated. And especially during this time when we're starving for something, you know, yeah. especially when it comes to sports. And so I, I say bravo to both of them, and thank you so much. Yeah. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. I need Di more. Uh, Diamond Poirier got um, the inaugural, became the inaugural recipient of the humanitarian award named after Forrest Griffin. Uh, they announced it on the card. Um, he is going to be inducted uh, into uh, into or getting that award and having the induction happen on the UFC Hall of Fame induction later on in the year. Um, Forrest Griffin. Uh, sent me a message. I, I was able to show it to you last week a little bit. Um, Forrest is behind this podcast and uh, really one of the reasons why I, I really wanted to, you know, get at this, uh, his heart and determination and what he, he gave to the sport and he continues to give as a humanitarian. It's so great that Poirier is such a talented fighter, but outside the cage, I couldn't believe all the things that they said he's done for his community in Louisiana there. He was paying the tab for all the guys at the local burger joint to watch his fights that night too. Uh, on top of all the humanitarian things that he's done, pretty impressive. The guy's, he's, he's just a special human being. He's amazing. Yeah. But the one thing from that piece that I took away is, I love the fact that he says, it's so easy to do the right thing. 
It just, it will all come together if that's what you want to do. Yeah. And I love that. I love, I love, I love, I love the fact that he's passionate about his community and that he's somebody that's active about it. He's not somebody that just says platitudes or, you know, says the, says the words, but that doesn't do the actions. It's the man of action. Yeah. He does what he, he does what he says, you know, like he, he means what he says. He does what he says. And that, that's, Hey, that's just, that's fantastic to see. It's fantastic to see. And he, he most certainly deserves that award yeah, for sure. sure After yeah. you learn about all the things that he's done. I didn't know that. I didn't know he did all that stuff, no. but also too, he's not doing that for, to, to, to build himself up, you know, like he's just doing it because as he said in his own words, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just so impressive. Uh, you know, please, if you have a chance, go on, on YouTube, uh, <clears throat> type in Poirier, uh, you know, humanitarian award. <clears throat> it's a nice little video. It talks about um, him giving meals to um, kids that, that don't get meals normally because they couldn't go to school during the pandemic. Um, just, you know, just so many things. It was just on and on and on. It was so, it blew me away and it was really great. And, and for it to be the, the Forrest Griffin award, you know, this is one of the best human beings I've ever I had an opportunity to be around and, you know, he sent me a message of support recently. I, I can't thank you enough for us. And, uh, you know, what a bet, there's no better guy to have an award for humanitarian given than to you. And I can't wait to congratulate you face to face and say, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for everything you've done for me and so many <clears throat> other people and, and you too, uh, Dustin, holy cow. Uh, you know, keep, keep it up. Uh, you know, you show why, this, this is the greatest sport in the world, and these, these are some of the best people that you're ever going to meet. If you meet fighters, you're going to love them, and uh, they're, you know, solid to the earth people. So, you know, it was so great to, to see him get that award. Oh, yeah, man. Like, he's, he's just like, he's humble, um, but he's also, he's a champion and he's a winner. You know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have those, that combination of that in one person, well, then this, this is what you see. This is what a man of that caliber can do. Yeah. And uh, we're just lucky to have him around. We are. We're all yeah. very fortunate to have a man like that around. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, then. Thanks for breaking that card down. Uh, we won't be breaking down a UFC when we talk next week, but we'll be uh, two weeks from now. We've got UFC 251 with the three title fights on. Uh, I wish it was uh, tomorrow. I can't wait for that card. Uh, that this, this past card made my whole weekend, uh, and so that card, I can't even imagine what it's going to do. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Three title fights, and we don't get that very often as fight fans. Well, I, I am very much looking forward to it because I'm fascinated by the, um, by, by the matchups. I, I'm fascinated by, first off, I'm going to go with the Volkanovski-Holloway fight. Can Holloway change up his game style enough to overcome Volkanovski? Or is, is Volkanovski going to put more wrinkles into his game that Holloway is never going to see coming? You know, like, I'm very fascinated to see what's going to happen in that fight and that rematch coming up. Um, the Peter Yan-Aldo fight, I, you know, I think, well, Aldo is Aldo, and Peter Yan's the up-and-comer. I think he's only lost one fight. It's going to be a great war. It's going to be a fantastic war because I think a lot of people like to write Aldo off. I'm not writing that guy off. He's still really, really good. 
Like he's still really, really good. So yeah. we'll see what happens there. And then the most, the one that I'm very curious to see how it does play out is Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns. I, I don't, like, I think Usman will probably try to, to dictate the fight with his wrestling, but I don't know if Burns is going to allow him to do that with his movement. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how that plays out too. Like, so it, three great title fights. Um, I can't wait to see it. I wish it was on like next weekend, but you know, I, I guess they need some time off. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> well, they got they got to take the cage halfway around the world to fight Island Abu Dhabi. So I guess they need a little bit of prep time. Yeah, I guess so. Did fine. You hear, did, yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear that their uh, the main card starts at six a.m. Abu Dhabi time? Wait, what? <laughs> no, I did not hear that. Are yeah, you serious? They, yeah, they want it to be prime time here, and I think something like ten hours difference. So they're. Putting it at 6 a.m. Uh, Abu Dhabi time. Uh, that'll be Paige Van Zandt having her uh, first pay-per-view fight. And uh, that's when the card starts there. That's what I've heard. I, I haven't got super confirmation, 100%, but I heard it's 6 a.m. So that's pretty bizarre. That is going to be super weird for the fighters. Yeah. Like, just getting up so early in the morning be like, all right. Let's get in that ring and let's go get, get some fight again. That's, yeah. that's going to be very different. That's going to be in itself something for the fighters to overcome because I don't think they've, I don't think they've ever done that. I don't think anybody's ever done that before. So um, if it works, it works. Uh, at least, I, I guess, at least in this situation that we're in, they don't have any distractions to take away from the fighters, at least audience-wise and stuff like that. They can be in the ring and just focus on the fight, like I've said before. Um, but wow, six of the boarding though. That, that's I, I'm still a little bit shocked at that. But okay, let's, let's see if it works. Yeah. Well, um, you know, maybe maybe it'll help with jet lag. Uh, you know, a lot of fighters when they have to travel that far, they get the jet lag problems. Maybe they can try to stay on uh, Pacific or Eastern time, wherever they're coming from, the U.S. Here, um, yeah. you know, hopefully, you know, it doesn't affect them the you know not only the jet lag but also trying to you know get up at that early in the morning they're gonna yeah the, the corners are gonna be there uh mike perry do not go to abu dhabi because you, <laughs> you don't have corners to be able to help you through this so <laughs> yeah that's, that's definitely something that the corner men and the corner people will have to figure out with the with the time change adjustment and then knowing whenever they actually do get official time for when the start time of that ufc is then they'll have to have their fighters properly prepared for that eventuality, if yeah. that's what does happen. Yeah, so, yeah, we've got a week off from the UFC, but uh, maybe we need a little break. Uh, there are some, obviously, some other sports that you and I like breaking down, and uh, we've got two, two different uh, scenarios these days, the NFL and NBA. I, I kind of want to just start with the NFL and the huge signing. <laughs> Um, yep. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned, I think it was a week ago, maybe two, where um, Cam Newton was working out with OBJ, and uh, he had he had some tape that he was sending out to the teams, and I guess it impressed Belichick enough to sign him, and uh, now he's a New England Patriot, uh, replacing Tom Brady. Uh, that was a, a kind of a shock to me. Uh, I had heard rumors, but I didn't know Belichick would want to do that. So, what do you think? Well, I, I think. Belichick is shrewd. 
He's a shrewd businessman. He really is. And he will take a deal when he sees it. And Cam Newton right now is a deal. And I don't, I don't believe he has to pay him that much to even come in because he didn't garner that much attention from around the league. You know, so I think he's, he's using that and he's going to push him in camp because, like, if he wants to start and roll, then he's going to have to prove that he's the starter, right? He's right. just – Belichick's just not going to give it to him. No. He's going to have to earn it. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, uh, it's a good gamble on his part. It's a smart gamble on, on Belichick's part to bring the guy in because it's like – for him, it's like no harm, no foul. You did lose Brady, you know, so. Super impressive. Like, you know, why not? Like, you know, Cam Newton, obviously, you know, he's struggled with some shoulder surgery. He had an ankle problem last year, only played in a couple games. Uh, you know, not up to the form he was when he won the MVP and took the team to the Super Bowl against the Broncos. Um, you know, he was phenomenal uh, in 2015. He still holds records. He's, he's the uh, only guy that's – I think he's got 39 games where he scored a rushing touchdown and threw a, a passing touchdown. Um, you know, he's, he's a mobile guy. I don't know with these injuries uh, if it's limited mobility, but, uh, you know, what – what the Patriots had, uh, you know, rookie guy, a guy that had thrown a few balls last year, nothing much. Uh, you know, this is a brilliant move by the Patriots and Belichick. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know it could work long-term with them. They're different personalities, but, yeah. um, you know, I think it's a smart move in the meantime until you can get something better. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, I think a lot of GMs and owners are going to be mad. Why didn't we do this? It, it, it been a smart move for a lot of teams. It could have been a smart move for a lot of teams, but I think, I, my hope is that from all the various injuries that unfortunately Cam has suffered throughout the last couple of years, that he hopefully comes into this training camp just healthy, yeah. like like re, like healthy, like he's finally over all these these various injuries that he's had. And so, and if he is, if he actually is healthy going into the season, you might see a very different Cam Newton than yeah. what we've seen over the past previous years because. He's had to deal with it. He's had to overcome a ton of injuries. Yeah. You know, so. Obviously, quarterback's a tough position. Uh, you know, you're getting injuries. Guys are getting hurt. They, they got these monster linemen and linebackers trying to get them, you know, every play. And, you know, a guy's going to face some injuries. But, uh, you know, we've seen some guys face some really terrific injuries and come back and play phenomenal. It, it's, it's tougher. He's 31, you know, still in prime years for a quarterback. Uh, you know, I think if he can shake off the, the injuries and some of the rust, uh, he hasn't looked spectacular last couple seasons, but, you know, if he can get back to close to that uh, MVP form, uh, you know, the Patriots, you know, they're not going away. I know you, you were, like, happy that Brady left and all of a sudden, no. hey, we don't have to deal with the Patriots anymore, but may, maybe we still do. Maybe they're going to, you know, be – able to win their division and get a really prime playoff position again, and we won't see the Patriots go away for a while. Well, that makes me sad with what you just said, you know, because, like, <laughs> I, I'm really – I'm, like, kind of done with them. I'm, I'm done with the whole team and everything else. But um, I'm sorry, man. I'm still happy about it. Like, because it's not Brady and Belichick anymore. Belichick said, I've had enough. And Brady's like, well, I just want to go where it's, it's, like, nice. So yeah. – yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, like the, the Patriots have tortured me for years, for years. And so I'll say this. If Cam Newton's actually open to being coached by Belichick, I think he can get nothing but positives out of that. Mm -hmm. Nothing but positives. And if he gets onto that 
that Patriot system, maybe the Mad does resurrect his career. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it depends. It depends on where he's at mentally and physically. Yeah. So. When Cam Newton walked out of that press conference after the Super Bowl win, um, it just <clears throat> it really made a lot of people question his heart and his mental toughness. And um, I don't know, he just definitely has fallen off the last few seasons. And, you know, um, we, we've talked a lot about Kaepernick having the same kind of uh, thing where he takes the team to the Super Bowl and then a few years later he's out of the league. And, uh, yeah. you know, Cam Newton was close to being out of the league. Uh, nobody had stepped up for months and months and months, a long, long time. And, you know, yeah. the Patriots did it. And, uh, wow, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, you know, Belichick's a smart guy. One of the, you know, probably the greatest coach to ever, ever, you know, be in the NFL. And, you know, yeah. another shrewd general manager move too. Uh, wow. Holy yeah. cow. They, they, uh, they did it on the day that they, uh, the, the NFL handed down the punishment for their, uh, you know, a little bit of misgivings in Cleveland. And, uh, and that was kind of funny timing. Uh, $1.1 million fine. They lost a third-round draft pick, and they can't uh, have that film crew out anymore. Uh, that yeah. was uh, kind of good timing on their part. Well, you know what they say. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And, and the Patriots are really good at cheating. They're really good at it. But I, I don't know, man. Like, hey, they're, they're, they're an organization utterly committed to winning yeah. at all times. And unfortunately, kind of by any means necessary, whether they be nefarious or not. So, you know, I, I can't begrudge them that. And then Lee did smack him with a good penalty. You know, like, yeah. you know, that, that was a good, that's a good amount of money, 1.1 million. Maybe not for the billionaire owner. I don't, you know, maybe he's just like, well, let me go into my sock drawer and get that money for you. You know, <laughs> but, but whatever, man. Like, yeah, it was needed because you know, like Roger Goodell needs to set the bar for these owners of, you know, there's certain things you can do and you can't do, and you clearly cannot do that. Yeah. And so hopefully going forward, the Patriots do a little bit less of that. I doubt it. I right. really do, yeah. but you know, whatever they're going to do what they're going to do. They didn't, they didn't learn their lesson over the last couple incidents, deflate gate being one of the most highly publicized, crazy things that went on and on and on. And Brady yeah. eventually getting suspended and, a lot of yeah. that, and they, they didn't learn from incidents before. So, yeah, I doubt they're going to change their ways. But, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty smart move, uh, just signing Cam and trying to sweep that under the rug and, hey, let's move on. We, we want to talk about the football, and that's what, that's what I'd rather do too. Who cares, you know. If you're not, you know, you know there, there's cheating and there's, there's cheating. And, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but whatever. Here we go. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially with, with what's going on. In, in this at this time right now, yeah. it's definitely not a big deal. You <laughs> right. know, it's just something yeah. that you pass off in like in sports news. And oh yeah, by the way, this happened. Patriots got fined again. Not a big deal. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, <laughs> um, I definitely want to uh, touch on the NBA, but uh, why don't we just touch on the NHL so we don't miss it at the end? Uh, Jerome McGinley getting the nomination for the Hall of Fame. Uh, you were wearing no. his jersey two weeks ago during one of these calls. Obviously, yeah. one of your, your your guys from the NHL. Uh, what a what a honor and fantastic! Uh, really great to see. Uh, you know what a human being, and uh, you know what yeah. an amazing hockey player. The man just represents himself well and the league even better. You know, like he's he's one of he deserved that nomination. He's one of the best hockey players I've ever seen. 
Uh, he, he was involved in one of the best moments in hockey that I've ever seen, where he went into that, that corner, he dug the puck out, and then he said, here, Crosby, here's all, the, here's all the glory. I did the work. I just want you to know that. I did all the hard work. But I, there you go. There you yeah. go, man. There you yeah. go. You know, like it was, yeah. The guy, I, I've always loved his enthusiasm for the game. I've loved his love for it. And I love the way that he goes out and he battles. He goes to war when he, he plays hockey. And it's always just been an utter pleasure watching him play the game. I just wish he'd gotten out of Calgary sooner, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe all the teams that he eventually did play, but, you know, he was on the tail end of his career there. But, um, yeah, Calgary uh, was able to keep him for so long, and I was, I was shocked by that. I was absolutely blown away that they uh, continued to, you know, keep him. And, you know, he was such a, you know, one of the best players in the league year after year after year, and uh, they were able to convince him to stay. and. And he, you know, I don't, I, I'm never going to think of him any other place other than no, Team Canada that you mentioned and, and Calgary, yeah. right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby doesn't score that golden goal and Canada winning the Olympics in Vancouver 2010 if, if yeah. you know, if Jerome doesn't do that hard work and dig that puck yeah. out of the corner. And, and uh, Crosby's yelling, Iggy, Iggy, and he saw him and passed it. Boom, it was in the net yeah. and that was it. Yeah. You know, one of the best celebrations I've ever been a part of. And, you know, this whole yeah. entire nation uh, celebrated that huge win. And, and you know, again, uh, you know, like you say, he doesn't actually get the credit that he deserves for no. that. That was, uh, you know, that was him that put it right yeah. there. And all Crosby had to do was just shoot. So, yeah. And, and But that was the beauty of Iggy's game. Like, he didn't need the credit. He just had to put in the work, which he always did. Yeah. He always did that. He was that kind of player. And so, you know, like, and he was a team guy, too. Always team first. You know, like, whatever I can do for the team, I'm going to do. And it, it showed in his play style. Yeah. And also, too, don't get on that man's uh, bad side. You're going to get – you're going to catch a beating for that. He's yeah. one of the toughest players that you'll ever play against him. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, He was kind of uh, Calgary's messier and, uh, you know, the guy that um, just, you know, brought the grit, brought the passion, brought the enthusiasm, never stayed die. And, uh, wow, I can't believe how many years he – had success in Calgary and and if you have chances uh please watch uh, a lot of the uh, team Canada uh, you know um games and and watch you know his his tireless work uh, he had some main, many amazing teammates and he just made them so much better and you know Canada doesn't have the success I don't think uh without a hard worker like that and a guy that can dig a puck out of the corner with his you know ferocity and his strength and you know he was yeah. always so strong in the puck almost impossible to take off the puck and, you know, hands, you know, silky hands and everything. He had it all. He had it all. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did have it all. And it was, it's, it's a pleasure to see the man finally be inducted into the hall of fame as he rightfully deserves. Yeah. I can't wait for that induction. I don't think it's taking place this year. They uh, usually have about 1500 people in that hall and, and yeah. uh, you know, it's a huge um, celebration over the week. They have a luncheon, they get to go to the Leafs game. They, you know, the families are brought in. There's all the Hall of Famers over the past. It's a it's a fantastic celebration. I've been there many times. They're not going to do it this year, I don't think, live. Um, so I think they're going to induct them all officially next year. Uh, we just heard today that Tony Gallagher, a local Vancouver writer, um, you know, legend around here for um, for writing, he just got inducted uh, to the Hall of Fame too, and uh, that was pretty fantastic. Uh, I've I've written I've read so many Tony Gallagher articles and columns and 
stuff over the years. He was, uh, you know, a beat writer for him for, I think, 15 years. And then, you know, column after column after column. So congratulations, Tony. And really nice to see a Vancouver guy get his due finally. Um, long overdue. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see you uh, in the Hall of Fame. It's coming soon. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's it's great to see. Like, yeah, it's, uh, the, the man's been a cornerstone of uh, Vancouver sports for such a long time. And uh, it, it, is, it is great to see his due because he's put in great work, great work, great columns. Some, some I've agreed with, some I have. But at the end of the day, um, he was always true to himself. And so and that, that's all you can ever ask from any reporter. So that was uh, it's a great honor, obviously, for him. And it's just great to see him get in. I was always shocked at uh, how, you know, he would just, you know, hold the Canucks to task. I couldn't believe the, you know, ferocity of his statements against the management team when he didn't agree with some of the things they were make, they were doing. Uh, I think a lot of those years that he was a beat writer for them, they were, you know, below 500. They weren't making the playoffs. They did need some criticism. Uh, you know, it's hard as a reporter to go in there and criticize the people that you're covering because, you know, you, you think maybe they won't let you in the door tomorrow, but he, you know, called, called it like it was, like he saw it. Uh, he held guys to task. He was on the player side way more than the owner side or the management side of things. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, always grabbed the province, turned it to the back, looked for his column, read it, and uh, soaked it in. And, you know, he, he was um, a really, really, really talented writer. And, and uh, he was a contributor to Vancouver Radio, uh, Team 1040, always had him on breaking down the Canucks and the things that were you know, in the past and coming up. And, you know, um, yeah, what a legend. He was a, an absolute legend around here. So really happy to see, you know, two, two legends uh, get their due in the Hall of Fame. It's, there's no bigger honor in sports, sports media, than to be nominated to the Hall of Fame. So, you know, congratulations yeah. to them. Well, it's just an appreciation of their body of work. Both were a little bit different, obviously, one being a player and one being a reporter. But they still had that much of an impact on the game and that's why they're inducted into the hall of fame yeah yeah okay well let's shift to the nba and uh there's uh a few more players have opted out now um, yeah yeah we've got some word i've I got a little backstory on all of them um okay. uh, a few guys are are have decided out uh, last time we talked uh trevor ariza and Davis Bertans had said no. Um, Avery Bradley, uh, there was a wide speculation that he was uh, part of that players' coalition and he wasn't going to go. Um, he's decided, yeah, he wants to be with his family. Um, he has three kids and he just doesn't want to have the possibility of bringing COVID to them. He wants to um, have that platform. He wants to be able to be out in public and you know further Black Lives Matter and a lot of that cause. So Congratulations to him. You know, great. Uh, good for you. I'm glad you decided that it would be too distracting. Uh, he's the only player from a contending team to opt out so far. Uh, Lakers, obviously, favorites to, to win the whole thing. Um, I heard they just signed J.R. Smith to take Bradley's spot, though. And uh, so LeBron's reunited with J.R. Smith. Um, he might remind him of, uh, a, you know, a timeout that he should have taken and possibly lost them a huge game before, but uh, uh, they're, they're reunited and uh, J.R. Smith taking Bradley spot, a smart move for the Lakers. No, I think it's a great move for the Lakers. And also too, like obviously J.R. Smith is in a different spot in his career right now. So 
luckily for him, he's not going to be out there during that time anymore. So, you know, so he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. But I, I think, uh, you know, like as long as J.R. Smith can spread the floor, shoot the three, which is probably all they're going to ask him to do, you know, if he can do all of that, ah, man, it's, uh, it's a great pickup on their part. Great, great pickup. Yeah. Um, yes, they lose the defensive savvy of an Avery Bradley. But um, if that's the only thing that they lose and they're still, you know, they're still Lakers, still got LeBron, still got AD, then they're looking good still to me. Sure. Of course, they still got to get past that monster called the Clippers, but we'll, we'll see when, when we cross that road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so I mentioned Ariza Bradley Bertans. Uh, the other yeah. guys that have opted out are Willie Colley Stein. He said he's expecting a baby in July, wants to be there with his wife and doesn't want to miss it. Um, he's with the Mavs and Mavs, who knows uh, where they're going to go. Um, you know, they, they got talent, but, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, Wilson Chandler with the Nets. He opted out. He's, uh, also got three kids and he wants to spend time with them and his grandma who raised him, um, with no Kyrie, no KD, um, you know, Nets aren't really going to go anywhere. So not, yeah. no big worry there. So, so far, those are the guys that have opted out. Um, you know, it's, it's not that big a surprise that, uh, you know, guys want to, you know, continued being with their family after this pandemic and having so much time with them. Uh, you know, a lot of them knew they were going to have this time off because uh, the NBA season would be already over. It, it ends mid, mid June. So they've already yeah. had that schedule ahead, you know, probably a lot of things planned. And, uh, you know, these, these half dozen guys are deciding, you know, I'm staying close to my family. So yeah, good on them. Uh, I don't, I don't mind that at all. The, uh, you know, the other, yeah, you know, do you want to comment on that at all? Well, you know, my, like at this point in time, you can't begrudge any player for whatever reason that they don't want to play. Like if, if they don't want to play, then that's fine. Because, again, this is uncharted territory for everybody, everybody on the planet, everybody on the globe. And I just love the fact that Adam Silver has been a fantastic leader throughout all the commissioners uh, throughout this period of time. And I love the fact that he's just so open to – Anything and everything that the players want to do. I love the fact that he has open dialogue with them and they feel comfortable saying, well, you know what? I'm not into it. And then there's like, all right, there's no penalty. There's no fine. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're going to get a reduction in pay, but that's it. Yeah. That's it. It's great. I, and yeah. I, and, I, and I, I, I applaud him for doing that for the players. I really, really do. Yeah, his leadership has been just phenomenal. And, you know, they, they definitely have a partnership there. Uh, unlike baseball, uh, NBA has really had a partnership. NFL hasn't had a partnership. Uh, NBA is really, really tight. The, the owners and the players really seem to be on the same page. And, uh, you know, Adam Silver is doing a bang-up job. I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, the other thing that just came out was that he's allowing the players – it sounds like – I think it's not official, but uh, Chris Paul was announcing – who's the president of the Players Association, Chris Paul announced that they were going to allow them to put um, uh, messages on their back instead of their yeah. names. It was like Black yep. Lives Matter, uh, I Can't Breathe, Maybe He Hate Me. Uh, I don't know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, uh, you know, things on their back. Uh, that's that's going to be neat. That's going to be something unique. Well, then, again, as I, we were talking about before, it's the platform that the players are managing to use in a smart way and working with the NBA and the commissioner at like, you know, Adam, just to figure out what can be said or what can be done. And this is the creative stuff, the creative genius that can come from that. 
And I think that's fantastic. It's great. It's great to continue to further the the movement because we have momentum now. And it's a momentum that I hope will never be stopped now. It's just going to be like a freight train. You just, it's just going to keep chugging on down the tracks. It's awesome to see. It's awesome. So awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled beyond belief. Just thrilled. It's so great to see a league that gets it right. Continuously gets it right. And, and uh, you know, the only worry I guess a lot of people are having is this coronavirus has really hit Florida like crazy. Um, you know, they're, they're having massive amounts of cases. Uh, you know, they're going into a bubble like the UFC is. Um, they're going into Disney World and they're going to be a, in a self-contained bubble. So I don't know uh, if that's going to help. Uh, there was 16 positive cases uh, of COVID when they tested 302 players this past week. Um, so, you know, that's a small percentage. It is 16 though, cause they yeah. shut down the, they shut down the whole sport over one, um, positive result when Rudy Gobert got it. So, um, how do you think they're going to handle the 16 cases? Uh, do you think it's, it's concerning them enough and, and being in Florida, which is a hotbed for the, the virus? Well, I think definitely the Florida thing and the hotbed stuff is very much a concern because, What's the governor doing? What are you doing? What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Within two days, they literally had 20,000 cases. 20,000 cases. What? Um, so anyways, it, I, I blame leadership when it comes to the U.S. You have Trump. Okay, enough said. And then it just kind of trickles down from there. Yeah. All right? So that is a concern. But as long as they have that buffer zone within their buff- bubble even, of like, you know, we're going to keep you infected Florida people out there and we're going to be in here. I, I think, you know what, it's it's what, it's the best you can do at this yeah. point in time. Yeah, some of the players were obviously going to have this. Like, even they might be asymptomatic and maybe they didn't even know that they actually had COVID at the, in the first place, yeah. right? So going forward, they're just going to have to manage that. And then right. once these players are over their COVID or whatever and they get tested, and then once they're tested, obviously, stringently, I, I think clearly they can go back to their team and then help their team go forward. But, again, I, I believe they're just going to have these measures in place to keep the players protected and safe and continue to keep monitoring them at all times, every day, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, like, because even though it's a bubble, you're just going to – all you can do is your best to try to keep everybody safe and protected and healthy. Yeah. That's all you can do. It's not a guarantee, but you just do your best of what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure hoping that it doesn't derail the season. I'm I'm getting more and more excited as time goes on. I you know, that's a league that I I can't uh, you know, stop my excitement level from rising. Uh, you know, there's it's going to be an unprecedented uh last you know, last eight games of the regular season and then into the playoffs. So, um, you know, there's opportunities for many teams and we've, you know, we've discussed it, you and I, a couple of weeks in a row, a few weeks in a row. And, and, you know, that's something that, you know, I really worry that, that all these positive cases uh, can derail this season. And Rudy Gobert saying that he's still not fully recovered. That's another, uh, you know, that was another shock, another concern. He said, you know, he's still feeling symptoms and things that aren't going away. So that, that, that was a shock. Well, yeah, and also, too, I think now Rudy's taking it serious, I guess, now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing. 
I, I feel sorry for the man that he hasn't actually gotten over symptoms, and I hope I wish him a speedier recovery. Um, but you know what? For anybody involved, it's lesson learned. Yeah. It's lesson learned. Right. This is this is a real thing, uh, and you really got to take it seriously. And it doesn't matter in what uh, physical fitness level that you're at, because obviously he's in the upper echelon. And look at where he's at right now. Yeah. It, it's it's still a very serious thing, and I I I applaud all the professional leagues for the measures that they are taking to ensure the safety of their players and the staff and the members of the NFL, the NBA, and well maybe not major league, but you know what I mean. All of them, all yeah. of them. I, I applaud them, and I think the NBA has probably been doing it the best so far since they're the first stop. So yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, lots of uh, interesting things ahead. Uh, we're sure hoping that the NBA has a season, NFL has a season unscathed and be able to keep going. UFC has been doing a great job uh, paving the way, being able to show them how they can do it. And uh, there have been cases with some of the fighters, some of the corner people, um, but they've been able to continue to forge along and have these great events that we broke down today. And, um, yeah, Jason, anything else that you want to add in that we haven't talked about? Uh, it's been a fantastic hour. It's flown by for me. Yes, it sure has. It's flown by for me, too. And, yes, there is one more thing I did want to um, point to. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I'm very impressed with uh, all these young men from the NHL that have got together to create the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Nice. And the Hockey Diversity Alliance is basically to go forward with the Black Lives Matter movement but also just to incorporate talks with the NHL players and, and their stories of how they've come up, how they've had to face racism and everything else. And I, I love the fact that the discussion is happening. I love the fact that they are gathering together to try to bring the NHL into this discussion as well, because the NHL, you know, when it comes to ethnic minorities, it's a very small number compared to the rest, right? Yeah. And then also, too, just to show that, yeah, man, this is a real thing in our sport and it really needs to be addressed. And so I, I, I commend these young men for the courage to do this, to talk about their experiences. And uh, the fact that they've gotten this ball rolling is just, it, it is fantastic to see. It is awesome. It is just, it's awesome. It's awesome. Because, like, even just briefly hearing some of the stuff off YouTube about what they were talking about and stuff, that's stuff that I can, I can clearly, that's happened to me in my life. And I, I like the fact that they're sharing that with others, sharing their stories with others. And they're inviting everybody into this conversation too. And, nice. and with their, 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 the, what they want to do, one of their main goals too, is to facilitate real change at the grassroots level. So that, you know, people that look like myself, look like them, look like Nazim Kadra or whatever, that they feel like they're not alone in their struggle. They have help. They have somewhere to turn to. And also to, to affect the change that needs to happen at that level so they don't actually have to face the ridiculousness as a child of all the racist nonsense that you can face as a child. Wow. Wow, that's so amazing. I'm so happy that you added that in. And, uh, yeah, I, um, I know that Evander Kane has been using his platform heavily and uh, Alulia, like you mentioned, uh, they have been really you know, making people realize uh, the things that they had to face uh, in their lives. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, NHL is a predominantly white sport and, uh, you know, some of the things that they had to 
endure and face as they came up the ranks. Luckily, uh, you know, once they've been in the NHL, I think, you know, it, they've been treated well and, uh, you know, they have not had to face that, but in their younger lives, you know, and it's, and I'm sure it's derailed a lot of careers of guys that had the potential, but they just didn't want to face all that. And, and uh, I'm so happy that you brought it up. Uh, it's been really impressive. The things that I've seen them already, already doing. And, and I'm glad the NHL is working closely with them that, you know, they're going to further the, their movement. Yeah, for sure, man. Like I, I'm just, again, very impressed with the fact that the leagues are working with the players to make sure that the movement continues to go forward, that real change does actually happen. This is just not pretty words said on paper or said in the air and stuff like that. Like there's real policy change that's happening. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's just, it's great to see. It's uplifting to see. I'm going to uh, I'm going to just list off the seven guys that I see listed on the Alliance and uh, please support these guys uh, anytime, you know, follow them on their, your social media platforms and anytime they're making statements, uh, listen in and let's support them a lot. Uh, Evander Kane, Akeem Alou, Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. Uh, way to go guys. Uh, way to get up on your platform and uh, you know, make a difference. Uh, I, I'd, I'd love to see a lot more diversity. Um, I, I had an opportunity to meet Willie O'Ree, the very first guy that ever made the NHL as a, as a black man, as an African-American guy. And uh, he couldn't have been a nicer guy. I was just blown away. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy he's made the Hall of Fame and you know, he's, he's still around, has opportunities to um, you know, talk about his experience. And, and a lot of these guys, um, you know, it's so great that they've all banded together and with the NHL's blessing and they're going to further the Black Lives Matter and, and all the, the platforms that they, they want to further. So, yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that, Jason. I really, really, really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I just thought that there's something else I'd just like to add in at the end. So, We, uh, meet you and I briefly spoke uh, off the air uh, last week and I talked about... Um, you know, that, that being so huge in the world right now. And I, I asked you, um, you know, about the things that you possibly faced in your life. And uh, I would love to do a, a show dedicated to that and, and find out a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, about you and about your, your life story and, and, and you know, the, the things that you have encountered here in Canada compared to, you know, a lot of what we see on a daily basis from the U.S., um, yeah, uh, will you will you do that with me very soon? Can we uh, put something like that together? Yeah, you bet. You bet. I, I, I got no problem sharing my experiences uh, with uh, the viewership out there. Um, mine is a little bit more unique than anybody else's you probably ever heard, but uh, it's 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 my journey, and I I I, I welcome the opportunity to share it with everybody. So. Great, thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, you're, you're one of the, the gems out there, one of my favorite human beings. Always a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk with you. Usually we just get on the phone and talk sports for an hour and a half, and uh, now we're getting the platform to be able to bring it out to people. And I, I, I welcome an opportunity for people to get to know you more and uh, love you like I do, buddy. Thanks so much for your time, and always a pleasure. I can't wait to uh, see you next week. I'm sure we'll be in contact before it, but... Um, yeah, thanks for your time today, and uh, go enjoy that that river behind you. Yeah, I love and appreciate you too, my friend. You know, like I was just thinking about this the other day. We're just a younger, 
better looking version of Kornheiser and Wilbon. And I, I love the fact that we're doing this. And, I, and I'm just so uh, overjoyed that you brought me on board. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Thanks for the nice, kind words. Appreciate it. Yeah, we are the little more handsome version of Wilbon and Kornheiser. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. A look out. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a that was a fantastic episode, Jason. Uh, you know, the best we've done yet. Uh, you know, amazing insight. Thank you so much. You, you're you're great with everything you do. I can't believe all the uh, compliments and accolades I've heard about you. Um, I'll pass them along. Uh, I will let you know how many people keep saying, "Wow, thanks so much for getting Jason on," and uh, it's been a pleasure to listen to him and watch him. So, you're doing a great oh, job, buddy. Oh, hey man, thank you. And hey, I, I got a great person to work with. So. I'm very lucky. Very fortunate. <laughs> you're, you're too kind, buddy. Okay. Cheers. Take care. Bye for now. We'll talk okay. soon. All right. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Uh, wow. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. By, by far my favorite hour and a few minutes there. Um, yeah. Holy. That was great. Uh, what a breakdown of the UFC. Really nice to be able to talk NFL, NBA, a little bit of hockey with the Hall of Fame induction. And uh, to finish it off with this NHL Diversity Alliance, um, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to get him together so that we have an opportunity to find out his story. Um, you'll be amazed at his, um, his journey and his story and, and uh, be nice to get to know him further, have the viewers. I've known him for many, many, many years and uh, yeah, I've never had a bad moment with him we've uh, we just we've had laughs we've had great conversation we've always um you know just enjoyed each other's company and uh one of my favorite people and I, I think he will be as time goes on if you don't know him get to know him watch more of these subscribe to the channels find me on your podcast platforms find uh, complete sports media and uh, we're breaking down all the time breaking down breaking down breaking down great events great great fights great sports um, UFC has been uh, fantastic. Uh, go watch that Poirier hooker fight. Don't miss it. Go watch that and watch uh, the information about Poirier as a human being winning the humanitarian award dedicated to Forrest Griffin, the inaugural recipient. Uh, really cool. Uh, yeah, that Diversity Alliance, uh, you know, they're doing really great things. And um, Avery Bradley, you know, get on his platform, watch him. He's going to further this Black Lives Matter and police brutality and all, racial inequality and all the things that uh, have come up since George Floyd. So yeah, let's, uh, let's further the causes and uh, keep enjoying sports. Uh, tune in all the time. I'm going to have content coming at you fast and furious this week and uh, on and on and on. So thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, love you. Bye for now. Take care. <laughs>